Hey friends, guess what? We have something new for you. We've been having honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry for quite some time. Yep, and now we're expanding our conversation to include a strategy series. It will give you an actionable shot in the arm on marketing, media, and management. Tune in next week for our first bit of wisdom. Today we have a juicy topic for you, guilt. It is a powerful emotion. We've all experienced it, sometimes more than others. How is guilt playing a role in your personal and professional life during this work-from-home extravaganza that we're in? That's our question today. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Let's talk about this cocktail. Best in show is what it's called. Tell me about it. It is. This is my kind of thing. It's a it's a vodka bubbly mix, which um, now I have a dear friend who thinks vodka is boring, but I will challenge her to try this drink because it's vodka, champagne, mint, strawberry, and orange. Hello. That sounds delicious. And it's cute and very drinkable, and it's got the sweet of the fruit and the dryness of the rosé, but it's not overly sweet and fruity. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much a master of a little bit of vodka with a splash of club, club soda or LaCroix, which is sort of flavorless. But this, once you add in that sparkling rosé to sort of take over the club soda role, it changes everything up. It's just a delightful drink. And I, I'm probably going to have two. <laughs> so we'll see how this episode goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't feel guilty about it, Jen. Yeah. Okay. All right. I See, I think this is a really heavy topic. And the funny thing about this is... is my book club got together last week uh, via Zoom, of course, and we were just talking about the guilt and the confusion and the weirdness. And, and one of them said, can you do an episode on that? Which is funny because you and I had just been talking about this. Right. Well, so let's talk about guilt in the good old days. <laughs> just good old non-pandemic guilt. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, for sure. Tell me about it. So first of all, I think that guilt can be a good emotion. While I think that most of all, it doesn't do us any service, but at sometimes, you know, there's a moral compass situation happening. And for some people, guilt can be a, a mental check, right? Yeah. And I think if you, if you feel no guilt, either you're Mother Teresa or you're not paying attention. Absolutely. But I think as entrepreneurs and maybe even as women on top of that, I feel like there's an entrepreneurial guilt that is has always been really, really loud, I guess, or heavy. You know, you, when you're, for me, when I'm working on the business, I'm thinking about my kids. When I'm with my kids, I'm thinking about the business. Um, it's hard not to pick up an answer, of, um, an email when you're making dinner because there's kind of like setting boundaries is just really hard. Yeah, it's incredibly hard. And it's funny because I remember so clearly when my eldest child, Robbie, was young, I had him in childcare half days and at home half days. And the business was small. And I was like, I'll work half the day and then I'll take care of the baby half the day. And that just failed miserably because mm -hmm. when he's home, he needs my attention, but there's a client email or a client calls and I want to have that conversation, but the baby's crying. So if I was taking care of my child, I felt that I was ignoring my business. If I was taking care of my business, I felt like I was ignoring my child Long story short, mm -hmm. the part-time childcare did not work for me, and it left me feeling guilty all the time. And yeah. I think I'm probably not alone. I think most of American 
working moms are feeling that level of guilt right now because you're doing all the things all the time. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's getting better because we're all in the same boat, but I think it's a very complicated place that we're all in right now. Yeah. I think pre-pandemic, it was, the guilt was loud enough, hard enough, heavy enough. You know, I was in a a similar boat in that I brought both of my kids to my office. Uh, My first child was there with me four months and I only made it three months with my daughter because I realized just after after three months, they just really need that face-to-face interaction and that stimulation. They're not sleeping all the time like they were. And clients were always really great. I mean, this is 10 years ago. They were great about me wearing a baby at a meeting and stuff. But at some point, you really have the responsibility to give your full attention to one or the other because they both deserve it. At least that was my philosophy. So now that we're all home, you're right, we are all in the same boat. So there's never a time when on a Zoom meeting, when a a tiny head pops up (laughs) or a hand reaches into frame, everybody's, it seems, everybody is very patient and, and kind about what people's lives are like right now. But that doesn't change the fact that you're still trying to do it all and that there's a lot of guilt surrounding just what you're trying to accomplish inside of your house. We can talk about what's happening outside of your house in just a moment, right? Right. The the thing I think we're realizing is it's almost impossible to do all of the things well. For those of us who are parents, you can't run an effective classroom and do your job effectively and keep your house sane. You can't do all of those things well. Because we know, we, we, we've talked about this, multitasking is false. Mm-hmm. You can't really multitask well. You can shift between tasks over and over and over, but each shift has a mental cost and a time cost. And so no one's getting your full attention. And children, like you said, need full attention mm-hmm. until they become old enough to ignore you and you and totally disengage, which is what happens when you have teenagers. So I'm good. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But for, I mean, but there's but there's really no boundaries, right? So even with older kids who might need something kind of spur of the moment, there's no physical separation where they can just send you a text. It's like a "Hey, mom" type of thing through the house, which is very natural because that's what you do when you share space. So because we are not physically separated during the day, doing the school thing in one location and the work thing in a different location, there's a lack of boundary and so therefore a lack of focus on everybody's part I think is my experience and I just feel like because and I used to use my commute and we've talked about this on on the podcast before that that 15 minutes in the car mm-hmm. sometimes it was quiet sometimes it was news but it was what I needed to like be able to transition and go into my next job right. and I don't have that here no. You should see my steps on my Fitbit. It's like, I, I take like nine steps a day, guys. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, I'm not going anywhere. It's horrible. You're not going anywhere. And that, so that's the, not the, true. I do walk. The mental divisions that mark our lives are um, gone. I had a good conversation with one of my employees and he doesn't have children, but he's like, you know, those cues of going from point A to point B are entirely gone. So I'm losing track of time. I'm not sure what day it is. I'm not sure what hour it is. I don't have any place to be, which means I don't have those cues that are, oh, in two hours I need to do X because I don't need to do anything. So I'm in this confusing, mushy space of not knowing when anything happens. And then I feel like I'm behind. It's just an interesting, I mean, everybody has their own way of dealing with a strange space. 
so, you know, there's the what was guilt before and what is guilt now. And I'll tell you the, the right now guilt, I think is super duper complicated and it's really hard to navigate. So I feel like the pandemic is very isolating, right? So I feel like my family's in its own little bubble, but what's happening globally and certainly nationally and in our own community is also part of that guilt. It's like, I'm focusing so much on just keeping the day-to-day mechanics of my family's life going, but I'm so cognizant of my privilege. I have a job, I have a roof over my head, you know, the guilt that I'm not in a different position or that I can't help a different position, it it's incredibly distracting. It's incredibly upsetting. And um, I don't know how to talk about it because I don't feel like I can ever talk about it with my husband. I don't want to talk about it in front of my children, except for in the appropriate language. But I can't deeply talk about it with my husband because we're never alone. <laughs> so I feel very isolated myself about how I feel about it. And it's guilt. Oh, yeah. It's just straight up guilt. And and you mentioned it. Like we both Karen and Jen, we're both coming from a place where we're still employed. Our small businesses are still functioning. Not at 100% surely, but we're still there. Um, we have spouses who have jobs that are working. So we're in a yeah. really, really fortunate spot. And which brings its own guilt, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two leads you to to looking around and when you are interacting with people and, you know, somebody over here is mastering a new hobby. Someone over here has really done an excellent job with their child's out of school education. And I'm, I'm both jealous and feeling substandard because I can't get those things done. But then I remember that, well, I'm lucky to be where I am. And then you get these weird pangs. And then you feel guilty about being jealous. Yeah, you're guilty about being jealous, right? Because, you know, my my book club friend, she's like, oh, I've got a neighbor on furlough and she has all the time in the world to spend with her kids. And she's like, I'm kind of jealous. She has all this time, but she's not getting paid. I'm getting paid, so I can't be jealous that she has all of this time. So it's a strange mm-hmm. loop, right, where um, everybody has a different... And, you know, we said this earlier that we're all in the same boat. We're not all in the same boat. Some of us no. are struggling with money. Some of us are struggling with time. Some of us are struggling with loneliness. And then you look at somebody who's in a different boat than you and you feel envious or substandard in some way. And then you realize that you shouldn't because you have a certain sort of privilege. So then you feel guilty about envy. It's a very weird place that we're in right now. It's a very um, confusing. It's not a circle. It's like a spiral. Maybe. Is it, a sp- is it a spiral? I do not have any um, direct relationships um, who have passed away, but I have a number of friends who have lost parents and grandparents. And um, a, girl, a girl in my childhood neighborhood or in my high school neighborhood whose mom I adored, she was one of the theater moms, she died, you know, last week and she died alone and nobody got to say goodbye. It hit me close to home because I know her so well or knew her so well. And I just can't imagine how it would feel. I mean, I've I've sat in the presence of a of a dying parent, unfortunately, and I just can't imagine not being there. You know? 
Yeah. And the guilt I feel or the sorrow I feel from my high school friend. And then you multiply that by the 4,500 people who have died. Right. In our state alone. In, just in our state alone. Yeah, of right. course. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because when you really sit down and think about it, we've been at this now for weeks and weeks and weeks. People can't figure out how to pay their rent. They don't know if they're going to bring their small business back. They've had family members and teachers and loved ones pass. And so when that isn't you, you feel fortunate, but then you feel guilty for feeling fortunate or guilty for the slightest complaint, right? So here we are talking about how difficult it is to balance our jobs and our kids when we have jobs and kids. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We have a family here at home. We're not by ourselves. We have jobs that are making sure that we can pay our mortgages. We have some choices that other people don't have. So then mm -hmm. you feel guilty because you're struggling in your space, knowing full well that your space is way easier than somebody else's. So you feel like mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to struggle. Um, your struggle is not worth talking about or it's not worth complaining about, which really sometimes it's not worth complaining about, I will say. But it's it's just, I think, all conspired to make everyone in almost every situation feel a little guilty, definitely fearful, definitely mm -hmm. a little afraid. I mean, the guilt is coming from what? A couple of places, right? There's there's societal pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It, right? And I think there's fear. There's societal pressure for the un about the unknown. Yeah. There's, I think the unknown and the fear of the unknown is one of the biggest causes of stress. And stress then causes you to rethink things and societal pressure to do it right or, or react to it right or whatever it is that you need to do all those things are conspiring to make us all feel very guilty and very insecure. Yeah. Well, I think, I think insecurity is a broad brushstroke, right? So there's food insecurity and housing insecurity and just not understanding the future insecurity. And so that's a pretty big spectrum, right? Cause I, I know that my family is not food insecure, but the future absolutely is insecure. And so for me, to not know what the future is and to be able to figure out almost like a chess game. Like if this happens, if it's this many months, I could go this direction. If it's this many months, I could go that direction or make this decision, but I still know that I've got food. Then that just makes me feel guilty. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and you know, I guess I'll, I will say we are both, you know, we've talked about this before. We both have a little bit of flexibility that not everybody has. And we recognize that. And so maybe we're just talking to people who are, in similar situations, I would love to really have this conversation with somebody who's in a really different situation and understand it. Because I think we all understand it academically, but that's different than understanding it because you're living it, right? And that empathetically. Yeah, it's just a different ball game. And there's just so much fear surrounding what's going to happen. And, and you know, it, it's the whole airplane situation put on your mask first which feels guilty, <laughs> just does. Wrong. Right? Yeah, it feels, feels wrong. wrong. And so you know you need to take care of your family. You know you need to take care of your business or your staff or whatever your, your situation mm -hmm. is happening, which feels incredibly selfish when you know that there are other people out there struggling more so than you are. Um, mm -hmm. But as a parent or as an employer, is it irresponsible to not take care of your people first? 
Or is it selfish to take care of your people first? I just, I'm, I'm so in my mind about these situations and it keeps me up at night. I don't know. I think it keeps a lot of us up, up at night. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I have an answer for you, but I, I can, I can say with almost certainty that your employees would have an answer for you. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, we assume a great financial risk and we every day get up to make sure. I mean, I know that there's never a time when you've weathered a cash flow crunch and not thought about the number of families you have under your roof. It's not just the Estel family. You oh, think right. about the people who, I mean, you, I mean, we both think really, really clearly about the number of people who are counting on us to make their rent, to make their grocery bill and et cetera. And so I know our employees would say that the machine that is our companies, Redhead and Render, that machine, we, we have a responsibility to keep that machine going. It's also our passion. <laughs> right. Um, it's, it's, we both do work that does good in the world. I think even in these times we're doing great work and making a difference in our way. It just doesn't make it easier and the guilt comes in because I'm not doing work that touches the lives firsthand of people who need the greatest help. Right. But sometimes our clients are those people. Right. And, you know, it's funny because every part of it, like every single decision you used to make has to be looked at through a new lens. So for example, your pro bono policy or how much pro bono work you do or the, the, things you would do for your community has to go through a different lens now than it went through six months ago. Right. So, um, ensuring that you are again, taking care of the machine that is your company, because that has such ripple effect as well, right? Not just your employees, Mm -hmm. but their families and the people who depend on them in whatever function, function or way, all of that depends on you getting your flywheel up and spinning. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are in an interesting space where we, I don't think either of us are running at a hundred percent. I don't think any company is running at a hundred percent right now. Um, no. at least not small businesses. So you, you figure out how you can work a little slimmer and a little smarter, still take care of your people, still do mm-hmm. what you can to take care of your community. Is it enough? How long are we going to run this way? Should I be doing more? Should I be doing something differently? Because there is no playbook for this, which is very interesting. Yeah. I was talking to a client of mine who we got into almost like a coaching conversation. And I was telling her, because she does she does business coaching, but I help author content for mm-hmm. her. And all of a sudden, me as a content creator, who she depends on to be smart, mm-hmm. she started coaching me. And it was really funny because she just said, you're doing all the right things. And she said you don't like being conservative right now because you want to take care of everybody. But you can't you can't take care of everything right now because everybody wants to make sure that you exist 90 and 120 and you know, et cetera, days from now. So you can't you can't run at 100% now. You have to be conservative. Put your foot on the brakes a little bit. Yeah. So that you can coast and make it. And we don't even know what we're coasting towards. <laughs> Am I coasting towards July or am I coasting towards October? 
I know people are making this, it's a marathon joke. No, a marathon has an end. You know exactly how long that's going to be. And then at the end of it, you can have a burger and a beer and be really proud of yourself and have a great selfie. We don't know how long this is going to go, which is to your point earlier that if it goes this many months, I'll do X. If it goes that many months, I'll do Y. If it goes to some end I can't foresee, I don't know what I will do because I can't foresee the end. So it's a very mm-hmm. strange place we are. you know. But your point also brings to mind Rachel, our recent guest. Um, she's like, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't pour from an empty bucket, right? So you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself, which then brings, brings us back to guilt. Guilt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you had said something like, well, I... I see people who have ho- new hobbies. Well, there's no time for hobbies. I don't have time for I bear- hobbies. I was saying to you before we started recording, like I'm trying to walk every day at lunch just for a bit of sanity. It's almost like the replacement for my um, commute. It's yeah. just like a little reset. Just And I'm, I'm doing it with the kids and with the dog, with my husband when he can. But it's this like little reset just to give me a little extra fresh air, uh, a heart restart, restart, a brain restart to just make it another few hours. <laughs> right. Because, and, and the, the make it another few hours point is an interesting point to me because we've had this conversation at the office too about, you know, uh, I think my staff has been incredibly amazing through this and they have performed exceptionally well in strange mm-hmm. situations. And I've, I have felt very fortunate because um, I feel like we've performed really well. We've hit some really hard deadlines. We're still running. Again, we're not at 100%, I don't, but, but we're pretty high up there. I think we're functioning, knock on wood, exceptionally, but that's mm-hmm. very fatiguing. So yeah. functioning like you're in your office when you have your cats or your dogs or your kids or the jackhammer next door distracting mm-hmm. you, figuring out how to get interpersonal communication right when we're not anywhere close to each other. it All of it takes extra mental energy, and those are all these micro-stressors that keep coming at us. And we're smart people. We can handle them all. But the fact remains, when you add a micro-stressor on top of a stressor on top of a stressor, you end up at the end of the day either exhausted or frustrated or lost. And so then we have to negotiate all of that and figure out, what people need and how we can make that better. It's a very strange place. And I'm living with people who are all experiencing those same things. Right. So it's not just me who has all of those stresses, who is emotionally exhausted, who isn't sure what my path forward is some days. My husband is feeling that way some days. My 10-year-old for sure is grieving the loss of friends and sports and routine. Yeah. My five-year-old is like, Let's go out and play. But <laughs> but to have all of the people in your world experience and, and your employees. And so to right. have everybody in your world experiencing this rolling level of unknown and guilt and worry and not seeing a path forward, it's it's scary. Yeah. Because in a normal situation with a family or a um, set of coworkers we can all have a bad day and other people pick up the slack. And that's what a good team does, right? It's like, oh, so-and-so is having a bad day. Everybody, let's rally, let's fix it up and take some off her plate. But we're all having the same struggling days. And so that um, 
that bantering back and forth and and holding of the hot potato doesn't happen because we're all in the same we're all in the same boat or we're not all in the same boat. I can't decide where I'm landing on that metaphor. So when everybody in our world is going through this at the same time, we, we may not be experiencing it in the same way, but we are all experiencing fear and guilt in our way that is unique to our circumstance. How do we know how to let go of it? How do we know where to contribute? Not let go of it just so it goes away, but like, how do we know how to contribute so that we're feeling like we're part of the solution rather than just bobbing along as bobbers, you know? Yeah. What do you think? Gosh, if I could solve that problem, we wouldn't have to have this episode. So, right. <laughs> you know, this has been the biggest therapy episode I think the two of, you, two of us have had in quite some time. How do we know? I think um, I have been very much practicing the let it go experience today as today is mentality that this mm-hmm. space and time will never be repeated replicated knock on wood mm-hmm. it won't it, nothing nothing will will ever feel the way this moment feels so then i sometimes have to stop and look around and say what can i get out of this moment that i can take with me in the long run mm-hmm. and that sometimes helps me get rid of the i should have and i could have and what would i need to etc so you know that's sort of the internal answer to your question. The external Mm -hmm. question about what can we contribute? um, Gosh, I think that's just really personal. And I don't, I don't think anybody can prescribe to someone else what should be contributed or how contribution should happen. Um, So for me, there's a lot of focusing on my kids and my staff, right? Yeah. Yeah. My, um, you know, because my kids are younger than yours. So our conversations are slightly they're not less deep. They're just age appropriate. Probably less political. <laughs> yes. Well, for sure. Um, but we've been talking about resiliency a lot and that um, when when people get grumpy that they're bored or feeling trapped in the house, we've been talking about resiliency and we've been, I've been trying to share examples of the ways that adversity will show up in our lives in the future, in their lives in the future, and how the lessons that we learn from now um, on ways to have, um, to view things through a certain lens and to, um, be adaptable. And what resiliency means is, is a way that they're going to approach their lives moving forward, whether that's trouble in high school or college or a career choice or partner choice, um, that those are things that they're going to have to navigate and that they're going to have to, they're going to face adversity again. It's just a matter of how you approach it and how you move through it and what you, how you feel about yourself as you do that. And then, um, from a community standpoint, we've been working really hard on um, sharing gratitude with our first responders. Um, we've got some in our neighborhood, and we've dropped off painted rocks with the word hero on them on their front porch. And what that what that means to our my kids to understand that they're expressing gratitude in that way. Um, leaving messages in sidewalk chalk, which is, has been kind of a trend. Um, and we'll see how we, how we come up with new things to share gratitude moving forward. Um, and then certainly um, financial support of the organizations that are really helping the folks that are in most need because we, we physically can't make a difference there right now. But to make sure that we're able to make sure those organizations exist and are able to help on a, from a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I think um, 
my coworker, Russia, said it really, really well. She's like, I support the people who I want to see to be around next year. It's just very simple. If you, if there's an organization or a business that you really depend on and you want to see it next year, then find a way to support it now, even in a small way. Mm -hmm. And so that's a conversation we have. It's funny that you said about the kids, what you said about the kids, because in our house, we talk about it as childhood is a really great practice zone. It's a, it's a place for you to learn and figure out what works and what doesn't so that when you are out on your own, you already have that knowledge. So this is a big learning and experiment, learning and experimentation time for us. What do I need? What don't I need? What can I really live without? You know, there's a very funny, we didn't talk about this before, but there's, you know, it's like the stages of grief and it's, Mm -hmm. we as a culture have, we grieve for the things we're missing. We are panicking about the stuff that we're used to, but then you get to a point where you realize that a lot of that is just construct and it's not necessarily that meaningful. It's something Mm -hmm. that we have said is important, but it's not really. And so figuring out for our family, what is critical, um, you know, for example, we went through Easter and it didn't look like any other Easter and how much of that is just social construct and what we're used to and how much of that is really taking the time to think about what, what Easter means or what a birthday means or anything like that. So we've had yeah. a lot of conversations in our house about um, the difference between habits and yeah. meaningful engagements, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, we, we've we've had those too. In fact, we've already shifted quite a bit on um, the things that we would pay money for prior to the pandemic Mm -hmm. to give ourselves time and the things that we're doing ourselves now because we need to and what we believe we will adopt moving forward. So we bought ourselves a lawnmower. (laughs) Congratulations. Because we know that we have, we know we have a small man, a small young person who is ready to figure that out. Yep. Yeah, I tried to tell my kids they need to start a lawn mowing business and get a little LLC going so that every lawnmower we buy has a um, tax benefit. But nobody nobody took that bait. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I think this has been, a, it's been maybe a longer conversation. And I think that there's so much more to say. And I also think there is a lot of it. There, there are so many facets of this that you and I are not qualified to even talk about. But I think this sure. has been a really interesting exploration of where we both are. And um, it's funny because, you know, I keep going back to my book club because they asked about this particular topic. But, you know, that's five really strong women who are all either, who are all absolutely working harder than they did before. Yeah. And before they weren't slouches. None of us were slouches, right? But we all right. have... Um, more expectation or you're in a boat where if you don't work, you're not going to get paid or people are depending Mm -hmm. on you or policy is depending on you. And when Mm -hmm. you, when you think or, or the ability for a major organization to function is depending on your ability to make a budget, you know, there's just lots of very high stress for people right now. And, and especially people who are moms, like you talked about, or women who tend to, for some reason, pick up guilt. I think we're all feeling it a lot. Yeah. But again, when it comes to that guilt, we're all in the same boat. We're all feeling it, I think. 
Yeah. And I think, I think this is a good time to cut ourselves some slack. I think if our, if our actions are aligned with our values, what we're trying to help our home, our community, the organizations that, like you said, like Russia said, that we want to be in existence next year. I think we have to cut ourselves some slack in some other areas. Um, maybe really re- redefine what boundaries look like, especially as we continue to be at home, and um, and take big steps forward because there is a forward, um, and that guilt is very much based in shoulds and um, and coulds and moving forward, we have to maybe take the things that we're feeling guilty about, seeing how those um, those deficits align with our values and see how we put things in place moving forward um, so that we're addressing them as part of our day-to-day post-pandemic. I think that's very well said, Karen. Thanks for being my therapy gal. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'll tell you what, listeners, I'm curious to see if you guys are feeling the way we are or if you think that we're entirely off base. So give us a shout and let us know. Um, but in the meantime, um, I'm, I have no guilt about saying that this, this recipe for this best in show cocktail is right up my alley. It's so good. It's so good and pretty. I know. So it's a little bit of vodka, a little bit of rosé champagne, and then mint, orange, and strawberry. Super easy. A little bit of muddling. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think there's like some bitters in it or something, but you have to try it. It's so delicious. You will have no guilt if you make this drink. No guilt. No No guilt. guilt. Just happy summer. (laughs) Happy summer. Thanks for sharing a drink with us. Talk to you next time. Jen, what are we talking about next time? Well, we've talked about before how Jen and Karen have a huge list of crushes of people who we respect and admire. And the next one... I can't wait, is Paula Herbart, who is the president of the Michigan Education Association. And we're going to be talking to her about her experience leading Michigan's educators during the COVID pandemic and what her thoughts are moving forward and then whatever else pops up. Right. She's got a lot of life experience behind her and she is just a spitfire and I cannot wait for this conversation. I hope that you all tune in. We'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Cheers.